And we're back. Hi. Hello. Welcome back mm-hmm. to Two Witches, One Teapot. One Teapot. That's hard to do remotely. I know. I was That's just like, thinking the same thing. We'll get, we'll get, we'll figure it we'll, out. We'll nail it out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, how are you doing, Abby? I'm doing well. I've got Indian food and bad allergies, but hopefully this will burn some of it out of me. Uh, you know, yeah, I get that. Is it spicy? It's a little spicy. I'm sure the guy that, like, gave me my pickup order was like, oh, God, this girl. Because I got naan and butter chicken, like a mm-hmm. wimp. So, not that spicy. That's fair. But Honestly, still spicy though, in terms of, like, yeah. spices volume. Right, that's fair. Yeah, naan and butter chicken, though, is so good. I know. I was like, don't judge me. I won't judge you. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> How are you? Um, are you happy? I'm good. I'm good. good. Yeah, things are things are good. I am currently dr- drinking a um, Ruibos iced tea. Oh, I know. fancy. Felix, like, likes to make Ruibos iced tea because he loves that tea specifically, and it's been hot here. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's it's tasty. Are you drinking anything in particular? I purchased a Lassie. Lassie? It's like a yogurt drink. Oh! So it's like an Indian... I don't even know how to say that correctly. But it's really yummy. That sounds good. I feel like, like I've heard of that. like a slurping down a yogurt smoothie. Yeah! And they're like kind of little bottles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I think good. I know what you're talking about. Yeah. So that's Ooh. what I had. I'm a monster, so it's already gone, obviously. <laughs> I'm like I a drink fanatic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My tea is, is also almost gone. So oh, I'm, God. Yes. <laughs> We're too far ahead of the game. Oh, boy. That's um, funny. All right. What are we talking about today, Abby? So I want to talk to you just for a little bit about werewolves, because I was doing some research, and recently I made like a mental connection that I think you'll find very interesting. Okay. Yes. So if you're ready to dive in, I, am. I would love to get your thoughts on the Twilight comeback. That is happening right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? How all the kids yeah. are like, like, um, I follow some folks that thrift in our, my area and they have been snagging all of like the twilight merch that comes like, you know, gets dropped off at the Goodwill and like people yeah. are picking it up again. And it's really weird because t- let's see. So the first twilight book I believe released in 2008. Okay. And so it's, like, the people that would be buying it to be, like, really trendy right now would have been really young whenever they came out. So I find it very interesting that, like, it's making a comeback with all of, like, the, what do they call it, the early odds. Yeah, the early odds, yeah. Because it was so iconic. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. (laughs) And did I definitely watch it on Hulu recently, all of the movies? Yes. Are they not very good movies? No. No. Did I enjoy it? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel about it was like it's it was age appropriate in terms of the content at the time for yeah. being like a younger kid or I guess like a burgeoning woman. Yes. Um, and then now as like an adult, it's very nostalgic. Right. Which has been fun. But then the next question that I have for you is were you team Jacob or team Edward? Oh, man, it depends. Okay, I should say this. I never read the books. <laughs> Me I either. Yeah, we should say that up front. I, I yeah. think I read a portion of the first book. 
Yeah. But that was it. Um, you even gave me the first book, and it just lives on my shelf. I just <laughs> the constant you. reminder. To which I say, I apologize. <laughs> oh, no, no, I don't. I mean, it's a, it's de- like I said, it's very, like, age-appropriate, like, young adult romance, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it depends. Speaking from a movie perspective, since I never yeah. Right. It depends on the movie, you know? Oh, really? Yeah. Like overall, what's the overall sense? If you had to pick one or the other. Honestly, be? just because I feel like logistically it made more sense, I would be yeah. Team Jacob. Okay. Just because, like, living person, you know? Right. <laughs> Versus a dead human. Like, she, she broke her back when she was about to give birth to this monster. Yeah, that's, creature. that like, does not sound fun. No, I'm good. Like that, that, that <laughs> freaks me out. Um, yeah, that's at least so funny. Like, from the get go, her and Jacob's child would just be a normal baby. Like, right, right. <laughs> that would be more typical for sure. Exactly. So, in that way, like overall, probably Team Jacob. But at the yeah. same time, like Jacob, toward the end, I was just like, Dude. he gets a little douchey. He gets For a little sure. douchey. He gets like, I was gonna say clingy. Everyone's clingy in that, but like that's true. He gets a different kind of clingy. Yeah. So, yeah. What about you? Yeah, definitely Team Jacob. I agree. As like a little kid or little kid, like as a young woman. Yeah. I definitely attach to the idea of a wolf better than the idea of a vampire. Yeah. And also, Jacob was smoking hot, and oh yeah, Robert Pattinson looked like. You know, death incarnate. He looked so sad and pale. Yeah. Which I've heard is, like, more so an issue of transferring the books to movies. But Mm -hmm. that's all I got. But, yeah, I also agree. I felt like the werewolf was the way to go because wolves are loyal and protective. And they have a strong sense of community. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, you add in the aspect of having to interact with something that wild. Which yes. was kind of sexy, for yeah, sure. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. I don't even want to, like, mention or even think, really, about how many werewolf mate stories I read on Wattpad in middle school. Oh, Like, yeah. I will admit to being a little bit obsessed for a while. Oh, yeah. Who? <laughs> yeah. And that's totally something that I feel like Twilight really rounded out and brought about. Yeah. So... I only recently made the connection between, like, you know how the primary... Gosh, what am I trying to say? I have, like, several thoughts. Sure. <laughs> how the primary target audience for Twilight was women. Yeah. And mostly it was the framing of the book, but I think it's interesting that werewolf romance, let's say, was popularized and impacted so many women like my mom was a military spouse which is nice because you get kind of like a built-in community and there were like friends to read the books with and she had a little book club and she said one wife in particular went like crazy over the whole franchise or Mm -hmm. yeah so like people kind of got a little wild and I think maybe you and I were a little young to remember that but yeah I do remember that one experience and I find it really interesting that We've swung around from werewolves being scary, which I'll get into, to werewolves being sexy, which, you know, yeah, is just a, I feel like it's an interesting point to, like, 
the swing towards, I mean, not that everybody's liberated, but like towards sexual liberation within society or seeking that at the very least, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. (laughs) Just like realizing that correlation between the wild or how people feel like werewolves kind of represented the wild used to be frightening and out of control and unknown into being um like exciting in that way and something that you'd seek out and fantasize about mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then yeah if you take and like a different front if you take werewolves and more so view them under the lens of being representative of the wild in general like nature again interesting that they used to be like feared and you want to control them and you want to make sure that they are like eradicated swinging Mm -hmm. around to something to aspire to I guess or like something to be part of yeah that's a really good point I hadn't even thought of that yeah Yeah, dude I had like a little mind like (laughs) mind explosion Oh, that's wild. Yeah, and just, like, I mean, I think we talked about this some last week, um, Mm -hmm. last week, last time we recorded, um, in, like, we've kind of gone back into, like, the hippie era, if you will. Yeah, yeah. And, like, werewolves, as opposed to, like, vampires. Right. Or, like, nature. Mm Mm-hmm. And such, and, Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah, and, like, we have a greater appreciation for it right now than, like, in the previous decade. Yeah, totally. Even just by comparison. Yeah. That's um, so Yeah, and I wanted to point out another famous werewolf to kind of, um, you know, approach this point again from a similar, with, like, the similar goal in mind of making those connections. And the other... My other favorite werewolf is Remus Lupin. I was hoping you were going to say that. Because <laughs> he's such an interesting character to begin with. Um, mm-hmm. So Prisoner of Azkaban, which is my personal favorite. Oh, I just published. Book. Oh, so it's good. so good. Um, published in 1999. So we have about, what is that? Nine years between cool but sad werewolf who's, like, coming to terms with who he is and, like, you know, battling with his identity as something that is scary and, like, sometimes out of control to sexy werewolves. Like, I wouldn't say Remus's character, although I would have been romantically interested in him because as a kid, you know, that's the kind of person that you go for whenever you don't know any better. He was not sexy by any means, like Jacob is. No, no. So throughout the book, if you haven't read it, you slowly find out at the core of the mystery is Lupin is a werewolf, which in the magical world, I think it's supposed to be kind of a reflection of what it's like to have AIDS. Um, Putting that aside, because it's such a, you know, it's such a complex thing to even work through. So we're going to put that aside for a second and again, consider it from one, the point of, um, sexual liberation although less so in this regard and then especially Mm -hmm. from the point of 
coming back to appreciation and um, seeking to be one with nature, I guess. Yeah. Um, and then I have a side point that I want to make too, but okay. Remus is, you know, he is troubled in that he's concerned about hurting the people around him, which is very sad. <laughs> it's a sad yeah. way to approach life, yeah. but he is smart and gentle. He's like the first person that you see very, really connect with, which is super special. Mm-hmm. And he has one of my favorite quotes in the whole book, which I feel like from the framing of witchcraft makes a whole, you know, beautiful point. And he says, your mother was there for me at a time when no one else was. Not only was she a singularly gifted witch, she was also an uncommonly kind woman. She had a way of seeing the beauty in others even more, perhaps, most especially when that person couldn't see it in themselves, which super cool. I love that. It's so beautiful, especially whenever you see it from the point of love being magic, which is a huge point in the book and is like a overarching theme that turns into this whole thing in the end. Mm -hmm. Um, But especially being able to like cultivate and care for and nurture that magic or like love in others, especially whenever they are not feeling like it's, you know, that's something that they've neglected. Mm Mm-hmm. And um, being able to see into people, I thought, was really interesting. It's like whenever, um, I think we kind of made a similar connection in the rune story where, like, if you, like, the underlying strands of being able to see beyond, like, surface level in people or in stories, like, uncovers, like, I don't know. I feel like everybody has a little bit of touch of like your intuition, I guess. And especially if you develop your intuition to be able to see whenever people are struggling and to know how to try to encourage them to, I guess, come back to loving themselves and cultivating their own magic in themselves, you know, it's just really cool. It's a, and like, especially if you keep in mind that, the witch is a character or an archetype that is an outcast to begin with, like being someone that has the background of being unaccepted or like how in Harry Potter, how Lily's sister Petunia like makes fun of her and calls her a freak and all these things. And then like Mm -hmm. basically abuses her son as a result. But, um, so you know, coming from a place of struggle and being able to bring things out of people and yeah. see that they have, like, the potential to be better than they are. I love that. Yeah. Just That's another cool way. point on the role of, like, a witch and the things that you should expect from yourself. Yeah. And, of course, because I have to mention it, um, we are not supportive of she should, who should not be named who is the author of the series. Oh, yeah. No, thank you. (laughs) They're an entirely separate thing. Yeah, Yeah. I don't know what happened there. That was a whole disaster. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, I just love the books. I know. Separate the art from the uh, the artist in that um, there is community that to be found, safe community Mm -hmm. to be found amongst people who love the books and people who completely reject the, the 
ideals and perspectives of the person who created the books who is a horrible human being. Right. Perfect. So. Thank you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I totally, I totally agree. Like I absolutely love that perspective um, on that affiliation that his character would have by means of magic and love and such. Like I, I love yeah. that's a really great point. I love yeah. that. Perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I wanted to throw that in there because that's my favorite quote of like anything ever. <laughs> you know, it's so nice. And like, yeah. you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like too, you often see in like books or movies, the perspective of someone who is like being that good person and getting out there. And, um, but I feel like less commonly, do you see things or hear things from the standpoint of somebody who was not doing well and was aided, you know, Mm-hmm. like we so it's easier to kind of express having helped somebody than being helped I guess absolutely 100% yeah which sure. is another thing that ties into his character is like he um he can take like a special potion and it just turns him into like basically a dog for the full moon yeah um, so he like completely relies on modern science and modern technology which again t- back into nature is really interesting how mm-hmm. we've been able to approach conservation and approach um yeah I guess conservation is the best word for it yeah from a scientific standpoint and then be able to um kind of better appreciate it than having it be an unknown and like an unquantified which is scary yeah absolutely well and I think it, it talks a lot about um kind of like how we've used science to understand nature and in mm-hmm. some way quell it, not in yeah. a stifling way, but in a um, working with nature to, to, I guess a lot, like the only phrase I could think of right now is like to be of use to us. Obviously yeah. like, uh, it's, I think there, that's a fine line of just like working with nature and using science to, mm-hmm. to, work with nature to bring out the elements of it that would best support us as a species, but also respecting the boundaries that mother nature has definitely already laid out for us. Yeah, for sure. Um, And I think that that like Lupin's character speaks really well to that. Wherein, like in his nature as a werewolf is it is to go, to go berserk kind of, but Mm -hmm. like you were saying through medicine, he's able to kind of calm down and just be, be a dog. Um, and and through science and through magic, they were able to do that. But mm-hmm. it ended up being his his wildness still came out. Yeah, totally. And it's not a perfect system. Exactly, and it's like nature still rules in that kind yeah, of way. And exactly. I kind of love that as well of just being like, yes, we can use our our science and our technology to kind of control the situation but the wild will win and so it's like how will you work with that wild as like rejecting it yeah exactly yeah Yeah. you have to accept that science supports our supporting of nature exactly and like without it like you just have to know that there are consequences which are not at the fault of sure in this case lupin yeah and more so with the fault of you being in that situation initially Exactly. Well, and I think that tra- uh, transfers really back to like Jacob's character, mm-hmm. where like he is seen as like this gross wild dog, 
you know, yeah. they have to talk about the fact that he's smelly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and, like, there was that entire part in the series where like he was rejecting that part of himself where he's like, yeah, he didn't want to participate in that. He didn't want to be part of the pack or whatever. Yeah. And, and so I think when he was willing to kind of going back to love and such, you know, he made that connection with their child. Yeah. In the final, in the final book and movie. Um, and like kind of submit to that love. Yeah. Through a very natural process mm-hmm. that came with him being a werewolf. It was able to, it was like, ended up actually working out and being more supportive and more helpful to Bella and, and everybody. Yeah. Yeah, totally. That's really, yeah, I hadn't even thought about that, but that's cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was looking into like werewolf myths, it seems like that unknown, that lack of control factor is kind of makes up the bulk of the fear surrounding werewolves. Interesting. Um, and I can definitely see that from earlier humans developing these myths about werewolves about people that lose control or people Mm -hmm. that are um creatures without control and being afraid of that um and unfortunately or perhaps fortunately no one can quite pinpoint where the legend of the werewolf may have originated (laughs) originated um but early records exist and Uh people usually use three areas or three more famous myths to set up how earlier humans would have viewed werewolves. Mm -hmm. With the first one being, in no particular order, um, the Epic of Gilgamesh, when Mm -hmm. Gilgamesh spurned a potential lover who had turned her previous partner into a werewolf. Which Ooh. I thought was a really, I mean, that would be so cool. Like yeah. I said, big werewolf fan, deep down. I think that's <laughs> so cool. You have a type? <laughs> I have a type, dude. I'm so, anyways. Um, <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Don't call me out. Um, but I think it's so cool. I mean, in terms of if you're reading it from Gilgamesh's perspective, you don't want to become that creature. But reframing it to be from the woman's perspective, like to have the sexual power to turn a man into like a creature again without control is so cool. Yes. Um, and I think swapping around the viewpoint to see her transformative power play into the situation and make her like a you know, a person of power and a person to be feared is so cool because usually in, and even in like current times, it's easy to have your sexual power work against you Mm. and have it like, you know, be used to make fun of you if you do, or if you don't like, then it's, it works against you in either regard. Yeah. And now, you know, looking at back at one of the oldest tales of werewolves, then you have a woman that like can turn you into a werewolf with like her sexual power, which is so cool. I love that. Yeah. That's and like fire too. <laughs> yes, me too. And using like just even that like connection in between a woman's sexual power and like the wild of nature and like uncontrollable power. Like we were talking about with Calypso, I think is really, really neat. And not very common in today's stories, let me tell you. 
that's not usually how women are portrayed or you're not usually given that power even in expressions that could be yeah no I totally agree I love that though yeah so she's cool yes she won she didn't have to have sex with Gilgamesh which ugh. yeah (laughs) (laughs) um secondly is the legend of um Lycaon in Greek mythology and this is probably the most commonly known um werewolf myth of course the Greeks got to keep all of their stuff so um, they get to keep all of their records and that's where the whole term lycanthropy comes from Mm. and it's a long and slightly convoluted story but essentially Lycaon or Lycaon um Mm -hmm was a tyrant he was not a good guy he wound up serving the god zeus who it should be noted apparently did not eat it but he served zeus the remains of a sacrificed boy uh-huh. and when zeus found out he turned Lyason and his sons into wolves which this is another common um trope in werewolf myths is technically it's cannibalism or it starts with cannibalism and that taboo surrounding eating humans i feel like that's one of the oldest taboos that humans and in general most animals are programmed with is to not eat your own kind um and of course it highlights that element of lacking in control or some tales of wolves from before they were basically wiped out say that there were wolves that had like bloodlust and like lusted for man blood mm. um on in specific instead of like livestock should be really easy because they're just like penned into a field that's yeah. like candy from a baby but they still sought out allegedly human flesh right so number two cannibalism number one sexual power <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then uh thirdly another somewhat well-known really really old tale of werewolves is the saga of the volsungs which tells the tale of a father and son duo who discovered that wearing wolf pelts turned them into wolves for 10 days during which time they went on a killing rampage as you might have guessed Mm. and again there's lots of this is like the tldr version of it um but comes across another the third taboo which is mass homicide (laughs) right which is pretty taboo i get that one um and are you saying you didn't get the cannibalism one (laughs) (laughs) yeah no i'm kidding kidding. (laughs) (laughs) um but like again that's really common in werewolf stories where the werewolf in question goes on like a killing rampage and again it ties into that lack of control um and inability to see um the thing that you are killing like i think there's a quote in prisoner of azkaban where they're talking about werewolf behavior Mm -hmm. and hermione says something like a werewolf could attack and kill his own best friend and he'd never have any idea like they werewolves are not essentially people but they still people rules and that's how they are judged following said incident mm. that's interesting too yeah because like werewolves are considered like 
part wolf, part human. Yeah. It makes sense why, like, it would be a taboo, it would be considered cannibalism if a werewolf ate a human. Yeah, because it, it seems like in all the tales they turn into, like, mind, body, and soul wolves. Yeah. And have the ability to switch back, but at the time of the incident in question, they are, it's not like in Harry Potter where he turns into, like, kind of a wolf, kind of a man. It seems like depictions of these tales are complete wolves, not so much creature in between. Which yeah. I think in medieval lycanthropy, it's more so something in between where they stand on hind legs and that kind of thing. Yeah, like Lupin. Yeah, like Lupin. Yeah. Um, and some people have pointed to these tales being having like a medical basis. So there's a condition that you can get where, well, so they call it clinical lycanthropy. And it's a psychiatric condition in which the patient has delusions of becoming a wolf. Like, literally, they see themselves grow out their hair and their teeth lengthen, their nails lengthen. Mm. And it's like a delusional, um, like, episode. Interesting. Um, And usually, I mean, from what I could tell, at least, um, there's almost always or is always... You know, they do that thing where they're like, usually, and you're like, well, most cases. There is a prior mental illness that precedes clinical lycanthropy. They're not sure what exactly causes the switch into seeing yourself become an animal. And part of what plays into the person turning into a wolf and what aspects they see reflected in that is their understanding and delusional depiction of evil so they see essentially like the shadow version of themselves the the creature that we feel sometimes is out of control or wants to hurt people or wants to do violent things has almost like a visual depiction and whenever they feel that coming on that they become a wolf essentially Mm -hmm. and that's how they view like the flip coin of themselves i guess oh interesting yeah, it's a, and it's really, really, really rare. So we've only got a couple cases to study. Yeah. Um, but symptoms include howling or growling, craving raw meat, walking on all fours, and again, claiming to see physical changes like teeth lengthening or hair or fur growing. Like in real time in the mirror. Right. Oh, that's super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like... It's like as if people see the most evil parts of themselves take on a physical form yeah. and take over and take their control away, which is that nuts. That is nuts, yeah. That would be so awful. That would... I can't even imagine right. what that's like. Me either. It sounds awful, but some people think that cases of werewolves... Um, or trials of werewolves might have been in, you know, in a small portion at least, people that had clinical lycanthropy, especially in times like the medieval times where fear was so abundant and especially fear of evil was so abundant, combined with the fear of the wild that's always out to get you, which is evil. <laughs> Some people that were um, burned at the stake, which was apparently the most, at least in medieval 
Europe, which was the way to um, kill a werewolf, might have been suffering from clinical lycanthropy. Interesting. And like, you know, chicken and the egg, do you get one person that inspires all the myths? Or do you create a myth and someone says, oh my god, that's me, I see that happening to me. Oh, what? Yeah. Yeah, it's like, whenever you think about the fact that like, you're just a brain in a body. Yeah. And then you get stuck into the, like, the loop of, like, who is thinking that thought. Right. Yeah. Oh. It's wild. Yeah. <laughs> Scary stuff. It's like a, a meta thinking that I'm just, I don't know if I have, like, enough caffeine in my body. To <laughs> it is 730. I'm definitely not getting there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's really weird to even consider how human brains would, like, what's the, anyways, yeah. I just think it's really neat to think about. Yeah. And, um. Another hallmark of werewolf stories overall, less so in those three initial tales and more so in more common tellings of werewolves, um, often has the element of the full moon, which I thought was super cool, again, relating into witchcraft, considering the full moon to be a period of power and a period of transformation. Uh Uh-huh. Um... A bright moon under which many animals hunt, humans possibly once included into that group a really, really long time ago, appears to inspire the wildness in people to kind of break through. Like there's, and I couldn't find conclusive results, but there are some statistics that support the fact that more crime happens on or under full moons, Mm -hmm. which could be related in part to that light aspect where as a burglar I'm going to be able to see in the dark without bringing my flashlight but also it seems like and again no one can agree because some sites say yes my statistics support this and some sites say they don't but for some reason full moons kind of get to people Uh Um, and to begin with apparently they always did (laughs) yeah right I mean like even just in in witchcraft, you know, mm-hmm. full moons have been associated with an increase in in kind of more chaotic energies, if you yeah. will, and yeah. just kind of like making things really confusing or really yeah. like louder. Yeah, like yeah. anything can and will happen under right. a full moon. Like there's no limits. Right. Yeah, whenever Felix has to, like, bike at night and it's a full moon, I'll just be like, be careful. It is a full right. moon and people right. are stupid. Yeah. It's kind of weird, but, I mean, potentially, if you do statistics in some areas compared to others, it may even mean that people are a little bit wilder, which I think is super cool. Interesting. Yes. The <laughs> Um. But yeah, I just wanted to put on werewolves inspired by the connection that I made recently to werewolves as it connects to sexual freedom and sexual power, especially Twilight, which made some middle, middle-aged women very crazy, which I love. I'm like, go there, sister. Recapture <laughs> your wildness. I feel like, I mean, I think the same thing, like the same effect was had by um like 50 shades of gray which yeah. as we know was fan fiction originally for twilight right isn't that weird Full circle and i think yeah. that's like <laughs> yeah it's like a little weird but i'm a fan i think it's cool 
and then having like stepping outside of that and having werewolves be reflections of nature and now having people you know like you and I like love nature big fan versus (laughs) like early people who were afraid of werewolves were afraid of nature and just being able to see that come full circle and be able to have the science and technology to be comfortable with how uncontrollable nature can be and being able to like appreciate it and say like I get that this is where I came from and I love it so much and I'm trying to make things better as I go I guess yeah well and it's interesting too it's like so for so long um as technology has developed there have been periods where people have been just adamant on like changing and fixing nature quote unquote yeah totally and like I think that just as people who have grown up in an age of technology and an Mm -hmm. age of information, there's actually more evidence of people like millennials and younger who are having kids who are like restricting screen time more than the previous generation of parents (laughs) in a lot of ways, simply because we grew up with it. And I think that because we've grown up with it, like our appreciation for nature and the natural and the wild and like, the benefits that come from that are yeah. more prevalent because we've grown up in an age of technology. Yeah. And so I think similarly, like, you know, our interest in nature and our uh, association with nature in our daily lives kind of go hand in hand with yeah. like, our generation and millennials being that we are yeah. Gen Z, which still kind of weirds me out. That I don't know about that, but it's <laughs> true. According to um, the Census Bureau. <laughs> oh, God. Get out of my life, Census. Um, you're not even my dad. You're not even my dad. <laughs> you're like, how yeah. are we Gen Z when we're making that joke? Like, come on. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think it ties into knowing that nature's not, like, not something that you can control after, yeah. you know, spending our entire humanhood trying to control it yeah and then now werewolves are sexy and I'm a fan and I (laughs) feel like those go together (laughs) well werewolves are sexy (laughs) yeah (laughs) that's awesome yeah so that's my werewolf spiel plus a little bit of uh werewolf character arc and werewolf history for you yeah no I like it thank you for sharing yeah Mm, yeah <laughs> sexy All right. werewolves again. um cool well my discussion topic is kind of similar in that like you take the like we're, we've been talking about jacob now we need to be talking about edward okay but not really so my 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 topic is actually about immortality um oh boy i have yeah. some thoughts so actually you know (laughs) do you agree like or do you do you agree with mortality (laughs) i rail against it no (laughs) like what does that even mean (laughs) um how do you feel about immortality do you think like you know we've heard stories of like crazed rulers in the past who like bathed in the blood of young women to be immortal and stay yeah or ate lead every single day right like which i'm just like good luck with that. <laughs> definitely I mean, your work is a lot worse but 
and just things like that. And so, like, there have been records of people who have tried, like, work so hard to achieve mm-hmm. more immortality. Like the whole alchemy thing. Yeah. Exactly. The whole alchemy thing. And, and you know, even today in science, like, we're trying to always find ways of just, like, reducing the signs of mm-hmm. aging by curing yeah. diseases that, like, kill people. I mean, yeah. I'm hearing nowadays that, like, if you live to a certain age, everyone in that age or above is basically, like, they die from natural causes, quote unquote, but they yeah. basically die from cancer. Like, that's kind of... yeah. What is getting to the point in science and technology where the only thing that can kill you is your own body. Exactly, exactly. And so it's like, um, recently it came out that like, so the current record age is 122, which I can't oh even Oh my remember. God. I know. Um, but scientists are saying that that's not even close to us reaching the maximum potential lifespan. Wow. And there's been finding based on an analysis of mortality rates going back more than three centuries across like 19 countries, including the UK, that like we could soon, which I don't know what soon means. I'm thinking likely within the next century, yeah. um, be living up to 150 years. Oh, for me, God. it feels like immortality. Yeah, I agree. Being able to see a whole century. That, that so feels like immortality to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I agree. That's nuts. Yeah, so I've I not really heard a lot about that. That's interesting. I just heard it about it this morning. That's what gave me the idea for yeah. this. And I was like, oh, we need to talk about this. Yeah. So I, yeah, I just wanted to know what your perspective was. Like, do you, do you want to live forever? No way. <laughs> Didn't think no, so. No, thank you. How did you know? I'm tired you know? of this life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think I. Uh, I think a lot of it, I'm sure, would tie into your quality of life. Like, uh-huh. my grandma is in her 90s. I'm trying yeah. to remember how old she is. She's probably, like, 90 this year or something, like, fresh, early 90s. Yeah. And she <laughs> – fresh. <laughs> she has dementia. And yeah. just seeing her – and then she has, like, awful, awful hearing, so you can hardly talk to her. So then she's just, like, stuck in her own head, not remembering things. It just sounds yeah. so awful. I think that would be a huge – like, if you asked me would I try to live to 150, my first question would be, like, what's my quality of life like? Because if it's not mm-hmm. being active and being able to remember, you know, my – um daughter-in-law's dog's name who I've watched you know for since he was a teeny tiny baby Mm -hmm. um then probably not but I think I think that's just too long for me to live to begin with yeah um and I don't I see immortality as like a really flawed human construct yeah because I guess I see it like nothing lives forever on Mm -hmm. earth you know like all things change throughout their even if you think of like inanimate or inanimate objects like rocks or stuff, like a piece yeah. of granite changes, it's never the same from the time it was, you know, ground up magma or whatever to the time that it becomes like a little rock up on the Air Force Academy base. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't know. I think that's probably my separate issue with it beyond the quality of life thing is like, is, is that even something that we should try to achieve right I you know I have the same thought process too like when I heard that that's what like 
scientists are thinking like we could eventually achieve that I'm like is that a is that an achievement yeah um like because right. I'm like does it count if your quality of life is garbage does it count if you're basically a vegetable like yeah just because your lungs are moving and there's technically brain activity is that yeah. life? like yeah I don't know you can be alive and not live exactly you know? and it's just yeah, like they're not equally um they're not equally mutually exclusive That's yeah what I was trying to say and it's funny that you bring up your your grandma because um same like my my grandmother my mom's mom mm-hmm. my dad's mom recently passed away earlier this year um and she was in her I think she was like 92 I think um yeah. but similar she had I believe it was Alzheimer's oh yeah and was just not doing very well and her quality yeah. of life wasn't that great like my dad and his sister tried their best to like care for her and stuff but mm-hmm. you know that happens there's only so much you can do and so recently she passed away my dad was just I was like oh my gosh you know obviously dad I'm really sorry that like that was your grandmother yeah or your that's awful mother and I didn't know her very well but you know she's family and my dad was like right honestly it's okay her last yeah. year and a half was kind of rough. I think she's a lot more at peace now. And, like, he genuinely yeah. – he, like, of oh. course he was sad, but he was yeah. just like genuinely, like, kind of pleased that she wasn't dealing with that anymore. Yeah. That's kind of my thinking, too, is, like, you know, that's proof that, like, even though you're alive, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're living, like, things like that. Yeah. right. And so, absolutely, I totally agree with you. I'm just, like, you know, I, I think life has more value – in knowing that we will, it will end. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what they say. Like live every day. Like it's your last. Exactly. It's just like, you know, being afraid of death is one thing. Yeah. Accepting that, like, that is the one true, what is it like death and taxes? Oh yeah. <laughs> the one the two constants or something. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. Taxes aside, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just like having the promise of death, I think just makes it more worthwhile going through the struggle yeah, and going through agree. the ups and downs of being alive and, and brings more value to it. I think like if we start, you know, trying to achieve immortality, I think not only would that disrupt the flow of nature because I mean, yeah. human beings have already expended, extended their lives so much within yes. recent centuries which is yeah. fine. Like no problem with people living to be 80, 90, even a hundred years old. If that's right. their, again, quality of life. And also like, if we're able to achieve that, that's great. But the far, the longer we go, the more of an impact we as a species have on like the natural balance of the yeah. planet. Yeah. And that's okay. another concern of just like mm-hmm. babies keeping born and people aren't dying. Yeah we're harming things. So yeah, and you have really a whole generation of people that then can't work or like, exactly. you know, support people um, stopping able community. to eat. Yeah. Yeah. And just like overpopulation is already an issue. And I'm not saying like yeah. people need to stop procreating. Cause like, that's not how you solve overpopulation. Right. Um, but I think there is something to be said about like, there is a balance that needs to be had in life. Yeah. And also if we start living forever, like, I I feel like that is the human condition. Yeah. You know, to to work to survive. That is the, I mean, that's the animal condition. That's the living condition. Right. And I feel like you stop being a living being when you have to live forever. That's like why 
vampires are considered undead because they're not alive anymore <laughs> because they're not gonna die. You have to be yeah. able to die to be alive. Yeah, and I think and, tales of immortality reflect that again, like meta moment where you're like, you create characters that are immortal just to see what it would be like, and I think tales of immortality point to it being dissatisfying. It seems like, like and, the watching things play out like even talking yeah. about edward bringing it back to twilight Heck yeah <laughs> um but he is unhappy with not being able to die until yeah until he has something yeah. like right maybe. right well yeah because you're you're the lady that's gonna fix him all that good stuff like oh, yeah, <laughs> but even then he had to wait over a hundred years to find yeah. the person that gave his life meaning. And so yeah. you can only imagine how awful that must have been. And so yeah. it's like, that is in a fictional book. If the situation yeah. were to be real, where like you were living, what gave your life meaning before will die. Yeah. If you were immortal. And so you will lose your meaning of life, in which case, again, what is the point of living? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm with you. I'm just like, I, no, I thanks. I'm uh, hard I'll pass. pass. <laughs> hard pass. I mean, honestly, like, I make the joke. I want to see the like live to be a hundred because then I'll have lived in three centuries, which is true. Yeah, that is um, awesome. And would be really cool, actually. Technically, a hundred and one. Oh. oh. Yes. Um, I need to live to a hundred and one to make it. <laughs> um, but even like with that joke, if I, if I'm hundred and one and I'm happy and I'm like, you know even at that ripe old age, I'm still able to like experience life. Then sure. Yeah. yeah. I'm essentially a vegetable. I would really hope that they would have legalized in other places. Um, Dr. Sister suicide because like, that's not a life that I'm interested in. Like we should definitely put a trigger on this. Oh yeah. (laughs) Right. Saying this out loud. Um, major trigger warning. Um, Mm -hmm. but yeah, no, I, I realistically would be happy to live to be, you know, 90. Yeah. In that, like, I'm I'm fairly certain by the time we get to that point, technologically, our lives might be actually better at yeah. that age range. But at some point, you just get kind of tired. And as yeah. someone who believes in, like, reincarnation and stuff, yeah. I've got other things to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> I got places to be, people. Yeah, like, That's I don't, so I don't need to be, you know... Yeah. Sitting here twiddling my thumbs, afraid of what's next, because it's like, yeah, it, it death is such a normal thing. I think mm-hmm. becoming comfortable with it as a as a species, not even yeah. culturally, because I think that yeah, there are some cultures that have appreciation for death, but like, yeah, I think fear of death stretches worldwide in all cultures. Yeah, I think it's just programmed into you. It's part of that like lizard brain. Yeah, survival. Where, mode. Yeah, it's just your um, a programmed survival instinct to try and keep living but I mean as an evolved being you have to accept that like sometimes you have to override Mm -hmm. your animal instincts yeah Um, yeah the other issue that I have with like really long human lives or Mm -hmm. even like developing technology to extend human lives like the improving quality of life for elderly is like awesome. I love that. But extending it just to keep people alive, I feel like it's a waste of resources. Oh yeah. Especially since things are spread out so unequally, the fact that some people would have the access to 
you know, still feel really good at 90, whereas some people don't even get the option. I feel yeah. like you got to level out the playing field first and yeah. then kind of focus on lurching everybody in the right direction, I guess. Absolutely. I, don't know. I just feel like there's so many other things that we could be doing. For sure. Like that balance doesn't only apply to nature. It applies yeah. to society. Yeah. Where, yeah. If, if, you know, 1% of the world is able to live that long with a high, like a good quality of life, yeah. then like, I wouldn't yeah, really Whose expense that. is it going to be at? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like that doesn't, that doesn't really count in my opinion. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think we should continue to develop medicines and everything to improve quality of life and yeah. to, in, in, to cure people of diseases while they're alive. I'm not saying like, oh, stop all medications for someone who hits 100. Totally. But like, yeah, I think we need to be realistic of like where we're diverting our attention in terms of like evolving technology and medicines. Like, because you said it yourself, like if you live to 110 and they managed to make your body live that long and your brain is somehow still working that long. Does that actually, is that worth it? Is that worthwhile? Does that actually yeah. make life better? Or is that yeah. just people fighting something so natural, which is death? Yeah. You know? And so it's just like, if we let's, let's keep developing medicine, developing medicine, yeah. let's keep developing yeah. technology to improve the lives that we currently have. And mm -hmm. if, you need to extend a person's life to give them a good quality of life, then so be it. But if yeah. you're not like feeding the quality of life, like why bother trying to extend a person's life? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Just for the sake of it, just because people are afraid, which people have always been afraid. That's nothing new. No. Yeah. And there's one episode on the witch wave, Pam Grossman. She's amazing. Oh, yes. Um, she, she talks to, I can't, this is an episode I heard a long time ago, so I can't quite remember who the, the guest was, but their whole spiritual and business shtick is essentially creating appreciation for death and creating yeah, spiritual so comfort cool. in death. And I'm like, that is amazing. Like almost kind of celebrating it. Not yeah. in that like, let's all have a, like a suicide pact or something and die. Right, yeah. I'm like, having it be just another part of life instead of something yeah. that you have to dread and avoid yeah up until it happens because it will yeah. happen and obviously you know like you don't want to die young or anything you don't want to die tomorrow but right it happens when it happens and it, having an appreciation for the fact that it that event that everyone experiences fuels something else yeah I think can really change our perspective on yeah where we're diverting resources and time and energy and money in the development yeah. of medicines and technology and such. Yeah. And even as a person looking death down the barrel, knowing that like you're extending things out of fear is not going to get you what you want, I guess. Exactly. Yeah. Like, yeah. Um, what were you going to say? Oh, there's the Harry Potter quote. That's like, death is but the next great adventure. Which you again, have the same Harry Potter fan. Oh, yeah. yeah, just approaching it from, or like a mindset of the next thing is coming up, and like I'm okay with that. And like it's sad to leave people behind, but you know, 
you never know how things shake out. I feel like some of it kind of ties back into fear, and I don't know if this is necessarily true, but I'm just throwing this out there. But I would be interested to see how many people are afraid that something bad is going to be waiting for them, you know? Yeah. Do like, you know? how many people are afraid of hell? I don't know if very right. many people still believe in hell, because that's kind of more, seems like more of a Catholic thing. Yeah. And their numbers are on the downtrend. Yeah, right. Well, and, like, there are, you know, other religions that do believe in concepts like hell, but I, yeah. I agree with you. Like, I think once upon a time I was afraid of hell or was afraid yeah. of dying oh, for yeah. this because, you know, no, thanks. even, like, purgatory is scary. <laughs> oh, horrifying. The void is horrifying. I think yeah. it's, like, people are afraid not just of the unknown, but of, like, un- the idea of a nothingness. Yeah. Since developing my spiritual practice and like finding kind of defining further what I choose to believe about like the universe and life and and that my spiritual practice does not include concepts like hell and heaven or the void. Yeah. I do believe in there being like an other side. Like it's void like. I don't think it's heavenly. I don't think it's hell like. I think it's just, you know, the idea of good and bad don't exist there it just is and when you're in that space you are experiencing neither good nor bad you just Mm -hmm. are like that's kind of my my belief and having that actually is a comfort to me where I don't have that fear of like I'm gonna die and get punished like right that's not and looking at your past actions and thinking like well you know I've it's over now but there are things that I would have changed if I'd known yeah, that and kind of thing. Like, does the whole? I genuinely wonder this at, to to some degree because, like, we've seen a lot of people who are very, you know, religious, whether it's Christian, yeah. or Catholic, or what have you, who believe in things like heaven and hell, and that if you don't live a good life now, you will be punished. And we've seen a lot of those people. Of course, this is a generalization, and all, and also I recognize not all Christian people are bad or things like yeah. that. Oh, know? no, yeah. We love you people. You're great. Um, but there has been on record Christian individuals who are like stark Christians or start just religious people who are like hard religious people Yeah. who are afraid of being punished for the bad things they do and still commit wrong. Yeah. And Isn't so that I, wild? Yeah. Well, and that's kind of my, what makes me wonder, like, as someone who does not believe in, in heaven and hell, I try to go out of my way to make sure I don't do or commit wrong right. or commit harm in my everyday life, as do most people. Like, I'm not strange right. in that way. <laughs> like, I don't have to believe in hell to be doing the right thing. A person can believe in hell, be afraid of being punished, and still do the wrong thing and cause yeah. harm. Like, is yeah. that really helping? <laughs> yeah. You're just strong-arming yourself into trying to convince what you're doing is right. Well, and that's exactly what it is. It's like, you're so afraid of being punished for doing something wrong that you refuse to acknowledge what wrong you committed only yeah. to result in you committing more, more harm. Yeah. Like, it's like, ugh. What the yeah. heck? <laughs> yeah. Like, that makes, makes sense. no sense. No, exactly. So it's, I, I think that just furthers like my opinion of we need to have a, as a society have a hard discussion on like what is death and not answering that question 
or what comes after death, not necessarily finding that answer, but just coming to terms with the fact that it's natural, that it is not yeah. bad, it is not good, it just is. And while yeah. that may be scary, that kind of moral neutrality, I yeah. think if we f- try to take comfort in that moral neutrality, like we might be a lot less likely to A, resist it, B, cause it, and yeah. C, make our lives or other people's lives a living hell hiding from it, you know? Yeah. Right. And like wasting the resources to prevent it. Yeah. Again, medicine is good. Not yes. that, but like, no, yeah. Immortality, really? Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> you that? Yeah. yeah. And like, do you even, do, do humans even deserve to be immortal? Which I have to say, we haven't had a great track record. Not really. Well, and on that record, it's like, I don't think even, you know, regardless of deserve, like, nothing should live forever. Yeah, totally. You know, just to maintain that balance, just to maintain the ability for other things to live, something needs to die. Yeah, like, you know? the if you, even if you approach it from, like, everybody's understanding of the cycle of, like, energy... Like mm-hmm. how, in general, energy cycles is neither created nor destroyed. It just uh-huh. keeps it going in a circle. And if you keep holding on, then you are holding on to energy that could be going somewhere energy. else, essentially. I feel yeah. Like. Yeah. Exactly. And, like, you're just, you're wasting energy at this point. Turn off the yeah. lights. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Turn off the lights. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. Um, the power yeah. grid applies here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like at a certain point, if people were to live to 150, you have to get to that point where you're ready to say goodbye. You yeah. know, like how long does it take to like, yeah, make, you know, make amends with things that you might have done in the past and look the people that you have around you in the eye and say like, okay, I'm ready to go. It's like being mm-hmm. at a party. Or exactly. At some point you're just like, I'm ready to be done now. Right. And it's just like, you know, we've done cool things. Yeah. And and now we're going to continue to try to do cool things, whatever that may be. Yeah. Um, yeah, I feel yeah. like the whole immortality thing is more science for science sake. Because I don't feel like I've ever met a really old person that's like, I really want to live forever. Honestly, same. Like my grandma's like, thank goodness, I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, it, it becomes a bit of a struggle. And I agree. Like, yeah. That's something I like wanted. I'm glad you brought that up because I wanted to yeah. address that too. Of just like, it seems. Who is like, asking for this? Exactly. It seems like we're kind of sciencing for sciencing sakes. And yeah. it's like we have the ability to create like an AI person or we have the ability to like create embryos without a, a womb, without a person. Yeah. Without right. any person. Or, yeah. Even like support to areas that need it. I don't know, that kind of thing. Exactly. Or like, this is all, in, if you viewed it all in terms of money, you're spending money on this, or you can spend money on supporting people in other places where you might have very little personal stake, but it means the world to them. Like um, developing vaccinations for diseases that we don't struggle with in like first world countries, that kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Because it's not where the money is. Like, guess who's going to fork over gobs and gobs of money is some rich guy. Right. But then <laughs> to like preserve his own life because he, you know, has always been handed the things that he wants and now he wants this and he's going to pay you to do it versus having 
like large communities without access be impacted day after day after day and just because they can't pay you as much as Mr. Millionaire over here then that's more worth your while yeah absolutely and it's yeah just I think what science can do for us as a species and just the planet and you know what yeah not I think it's so incredible and I fully support it oh definitely it's like I've noticed throughout the years that there are occasionally passion projects that just get funded and result in things that kind of seem unnatural. Like there was, I think they were twins who were born without parents in China or something. I don't know whatever happened to them, but like they were babies. It was a Chinese, it was 2018. It was a Chinese researcher claimed to have created like the first gene edited babies. Whoa. Genetically Ooh, that's weird. Babies. Yeah. That's wild. I'm curious. That would be like finding out that you're adopted. I, right? Except <laughs> like without, you know. <laughs> yeah. Can you imagine having to be like, who would I would have been if my parents didn't fix me? It, yeah. Like, ew. That would be so weird. Yeah. I can't even imagine looking at like my niece or something, my tiny baby niece. So we celebrated her first birthday and like thinking that there were things that I could fix about her or things uh-huh. that I would prefer that she would look like or things that she could do or things that she would be able to do. Cause she's just so perfect. She joins she's so fine the way that she is. Perfect. Yeah. Apparently uh, the scientist who did this, wh- the gene editing he did was to um, like make it, in the DNA, impossible for um, these children to, like, their DNA is resistant to possible future infection, like Ooh, HIV. that's cool. Okay. Yeah. I'm a Which fan. Are, on one hand, like, that's super cool. But on the other yeah. hand, like, how far will that go? That's kind um, of where my mind goes to is, like, parents creating, like, beautiful children so that you can be, yeah. like, this is my kid. Well, and I think that there is, like, there is some scientists actually heard about that on the news sometime in the last month. Like there is some kind of science initiative of just like considering one day being able to pick the genes that your child. That's crazy. And that's oh, really God. weird to me because then yeah. you totally lose the beauty of diversification by means of yeah. genes. Or like, even being able to look at your kid and not know for nine months what they're going to look like and then looking them in the face and seeing like your husband's nose and your mother's eyes like the gamble on how your kid shakes out is part of the joy of learning who that person is exactly and like separating that person from you and that like that's a whole ass person right? yeah they can do whatever they want dude yeah and (laughs) like just because they came from you doesn't make them yours or does it make them you like yeah I feel like you could easily make a carbon copy of yourself. Oh, that'd and that be so weird. You're just not going to be a person in your mind. And that could yeah. be really unhealthy relationships. Mental yeah. It also puts like further like strength on just like vanity. Yeah, I and, agree. Like, the overabundance obsession we have with physical beauty. Yeah. And so I think that further pushes that point. Um, and I do want to correct myself. So it was, there was a mother and they did have an actual pregnancy, but it was, it was, they were gene edited. Supposedly they're still alive, but like no information has come out about these children. And again, it was like a researcher claimed this. Yeah. So there's a lot of information we don't know about this case. Yeah. To, to AP news. But, um, 
anyway, yeah, so I just, I think it's cool and good that we want to avoid, like, you know, generating diseases that yeah. hurt people um, and, and things like that, like preventing the spread of HIV, doing right. things we need to do to stop it. I think that's fantastic. Yeah, totally. You know, that's why we have vaccines is to prevent the spread of these diseases. I think right. that's one thing. Ensuring that people don't suffer while they're living so that they can live is one thing. Yeah. Extending yeah. the life regardless of quality of life is another. Yeah. I and, agree. and putting priority both financially and scientifically and technologically on initiatives that won't exactly help the human race. Yeah. Gives me a bit of an ick because you're absolutely right. Like it's kind of like how recently, you know, there was that whole thing with like the five billionaires that died in the submersible. Yeah, right. That literally, I was on TikTok and the news and like other social media apps and every single day, there would literally be like one post after another, like yeah, boom, talking boom, boom, about boom, it, talking about yeah. it. And then there's like three days of a few news resources or news sources talking about like the crap, like the boat accident with the 700 migrants in the Greek in the Mediterranean. Yeah, no one, yeah, that's the bonkers thing. Right? It's like... So fucked up, dude. I hate it so much. <laughs> I know, me too. Like, a hundred people died. so bothered. Yeah. And I'm just like, I, I'm sorry to those people who died. It's human... Regardless of whether or not I like them, human lives are human lives. It's really yeah, sad. Yeah, they have... Died. It was a tribe. value. Yeah. Like, value... Human life is valuable regardless of who the human is. You are. But also, like... That plays both sides. <laughs> what the friggity fuck? Why are we paying yeah. so much attention to people who chose to do this? And like, it came out that the CEO who went in, yeah, like particularly like skirted around all of the regulations, yeah, because and like yeah. it was clearly unsafe, submersible, and they chose to do it anyway, and then they died. Yeah. And that's really yeah. sad. But why aren't we talking about the fact that so many people who wanted a better life, yeah, and died. it was out of their control. Exactly. Like people are getting arrested because of issues that they like problems they caused by like not paying enough attention. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I think that's the the thing that people skirt around whenever we're talking about quality of life is that if you if you create parameters for quality of life, you'll realize how many people globally don't live a quality life mm -hmm. and like how your choices impact them and having to live your life of privilege knowing that your choices are impacting people's quality of life you know what I mean yeah. like yeah. how um the people that create the most um like greenhouse gases or for example the people that are most impacted by it are people without resources yeah BIPOC communities and yeah stuff. yeah totally yeah. So like, absolutely. yeah, I feel like that's why nobody wants to talk about quality of life because then as, you know, a scientist researching with a private company extending the life of the 1%, like that makes you a bad person. Right? Like <laughs> and you have to like know, you either have to like be okay with that or you have to change what you're up to. Exactly. It's like just cuz you're curious, you can do something doesn't necessarily mean that you should pursue it. Yeah, I think there is definitely a moral and ethical obligation you have to fulfill as a person who has the ability to discover totally. and research and create solutions. Yeah. Um, and 100%, like, you know, there's definitely going to be, it just came out today, there's the intention of creating legislation to further, like, 
legislate the creation or like the the building of submersibles and we haven't even uh-huh. talked about what we can do to make the quality of life for migrant people better you yeah. know not shipping them throughout the united states as a political stunt for example right. yeah and no just like things like things like that exactly like that it's just Dude, it's so fucked up. It's <laughs> so frustrated. And... Like this whole, the whole immortality conversation spirals because in the back of your mind, you have the people without access, mm-hmm. just like living back there. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's the whole thing is like, if you are able to talk about actually wanting to live forever, you need to be willing to consider why a person wouldn't. Yeah. Or can't. You know? Or can't. Like it's, if, even if we are able to one day achieve immortality, God forbid. Um, yeah. <laughs> the only people who would be able to achieve that immortality would be people like I guarantee you'd be the most expensive thing on the planet. Yeah. And least you've got the 1% living forever. Yeah. And, and they like- create more waste and greenhouse gases than everybody else. Exactly. And it's just like the power imbalance would only grow. That's another yeah. reason why I'm like anti-immortality is like, yeah, there's a power there. Yeah. To be able to live forever, like we we look at vampires, you know, right? They live forever, they're beautiful, they can hunt, they're super fast. But the point is, like, the thing that makes them most dangerous is that you can't kill them, yeah, like, unless you know, steak, whatever, garlic, whatever, right? Yeah. But, like, essentially, they are they don't die. Yeah. So they break all the laws of nature that everybody else agreed to. Mm-hmm. Whether or not they did it consciously, yeah. They didn't. And um, even looking at the tales of vampires as being like fallen angels that have to like live on this world and suffer like i don't know even if say you say everything about vampires like that. sympathetically yeah then living you know your immortality is worthless because you're unhappy yeah, exactly exactly and it's just like you know you would think that like oh being able to live forever was a gift but again it's just like that it's it's a gift that doesn't give yeah. You know, and it doesn't rescind or exactly. What I'm trying to say? I get what you mean. Reciprocate. There Reciprocate. it is. <laughs> there you go. Well, and like, something that I like always bothered me is like in the again, having read the having not read the books in yeah. the final Breaking Dawn movie, you know, Edward is like trying to convince Bella not to become a vampire the entire series, and he's explaining right. to Brian like how her mortality is a blessing. And yeah. then she becomes a vampire. And, like, that all gets thrown out the window. Yeah. She becomes then incredible. Like, oh, you get to be by me all this time now, and you make my life worth it. Exactly. And I'm just like, but, like, what about the fact that, you know, she won't have everything she, like, had before. But, of course, yeah. she didn't have it because, again, she did have a baby, and she does able to have relationships with her parents and whatever. Right. She, for some reason, became the great exception to the experience of all other yeah. vampires. Right. Regardless of that, like, kind of character-written flaw... Um, I think that like that kind of bypasses the entire issue that was there to begin with, which is, it is, if she didn't have Edward, that immortality would not have been worth it. Yeah. Or if something happens to Edward, again, not worth it. Not worth it. And so it's like, thus making the immortality kind of moot in terms of worth it. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So this kind of became a tangent. Thank you for taking <laughs> um, the wild ride with you. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. Yeah. It's been a long time since I thought about it, but that point where 
the whole quality of life and the 1% being the only people that can buy it always gets to me. Oh. And oh. I always bother. That's like the, you know, if you want to rile me up, bring it up. Yeah. Like, that's <laughs> my, like, anybody who listens who disagrees with this can fight me on it. Yeah. Um, eat the freaking rich. I'm so eat the rich. A, like a proponent so, of that. Yeah, me too. Like this is not okay. Um, before we wrap up, that kind of makes me think of one thing I learned. Like not yeah. learned, but a perspective oh. that was made to me this morning by a yes. witch I follow. Oh, awesome. Um, I've talked about her before. I think her name is River. I think her handle is like the Seething River or something. Okay, cool. Um, Seething with two E's. Uh, she's super cool. She specializes in like mundane witchcraft. Nice. Um, because she has, I think it's like rheumatoid arthritis or something. So she's physically oh. unable a lot of her, the time to do more than like her business, which is some kind of physical medicine. Uh, she's mm-hmm. she like specializes in Eastern medicine. Oh, cool. Um, but she, yeah, she specializes in mundane magic and just making the things you would do every day, incorporating that and making it magical in your witchcraft. Mm-hmm. And something she brought up was she was taking a business seminar with someone who like was a witch and a business person Yeah, who was leading the seminar. And something this person said was that um, their suggestion was you can't have a like do prosperity magic and have a successful business if you have the eat the rich mentality. Yeah. And uh- um, yeah, exactly. I was just like, uh, uh, sorry. And even was just like, I'm yeah, not eating myself. Everybody. I'm not rich. Exactly. <laughs> and like, said that she's like, I thought that was really weird. And she's like, I should say, like the seminar was really great. I learned a lot, but this yeah. month did bother me. And she couldn't figure out why until this whole submersible discussion happened. Where yeah. People were like going back and forth about whether or not like it's a, is it a tragedy that these billionaires died or is it like not a tragedy? You know, yeah. kind of back and forth discord right. that's happening. Um, okay, so here it is. So first off, her handle is at Seething River, um, S-E-E-T-I-T-H-I-N-G-R-I-V-E-R. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, she's great. I love her. Nice. Um, anyway, so there's a term that she brought up, which is UPG, which stands for, um, let's see here. She has it here uh unverified personal gnosis gnosis with a g um mm-hmm. which she describes to be um the conclusions that we come to through your own thoughts experiences intuition that aren't tied directly to an established practice or tradition so oh. basically a person's own thoughts or beliefs that may differ slightly from the con consensus okay and so um what she's saying was this like person this business professional that she was getting the seminar from had a UPG, which was, um, how do I phrase this? This business professional professional was saying like, you can't occupy the space of eat the rich and use prosperity magic at the same time because they won't, they won't work. Like you're kind of running into yourself and your magic won't be effective. Like she thinks that your brain is shutting your own magic down. Exactly. That was like the entire argument was just like your brain won't let you, be prosperous, be apparently. Prosperous. Yeah, be prosperous <laughs> if you're wanting to do, if you have the eat the rich mentality. And River's argument was that may have been true for her because yeah. you can't do prosperity magic and have an eat the rich prosper, eat the rich mentality when you yourself want to be a billionaire. Yeah, no thanks. Like, 
it's that little addendum that I think makes that she said makes it impossible for that business professional to to have be prosperity magic work exactly when having yeah. that perspective because she yeah. also wanted to be a billionaire and you can't eat the rich and be a billionaire at the same time so yeah. it's yeah. like that's the whole thing <laughs> that's the <laughs> point <laughs> that really struck a chord with me because like if ever I've run into a, a a witch, whether it's in person or online or yeah. a spiritual practitioner at all, who would tell me like, you have to practice magic this way. And it, it doesn't work if you do it this way and have this perspective because X, Y, and Z, like I've uh-huh. run into that before. Yeah. And I never really understood why it was always frustrating. And now I could put it into words of just being like, mm-hmm. that was their UPG. They couldn't yeah. do it, but I could. Right. I'm the rich. <laughs> <laughs> I want to do prosperity magic and make some money because I want to survive and have a nice life. Right. I have no intention. I have no desire of being a billionaire. Me either. Like That's that so... sounds stressful. Yeah. Unfair to the core. Exactly. Like if I have the ability to be a billionaire, that money's not staying with me. Like, yeah. Fuck that. Yeah, um, exactly. Anyway, thank you for letting me go on a little. Yes. Thing. <laughs> I would love to close with my favorite quote about death too. If you don't mind. Yes, please. Yes, please. So it goes, and I'm not sure who's the original source for this, Okay. but the quote is, I hope death is like being carried to your bedroom when you were a child and fell asleep on the couch during a family party. I hope you can hear the laughter from the next room. I love that. Oh, Isn't that so cute? I know. I love oh, that I so much. I love that. That is the kind of perspective I want to have. Yeah, I like, agree in my spirituality of just like it is neither good nor bad it just is and you're yeah. tired and you're gonna go rest and everyone else and is then, gonna keep on doing their thing yeah the next time you wake up is gonna be a different day yeah i love oh isn't that so show. cute exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. i love that thank you for sharing that i love yes. it. yes yeah death awesome. is not to be resisted no accepted but like don't don't look forward to it either. Like no, well, yeah, <laughs> it's not like you look forward to sleep as a little kid. Exactly, have that like awake FOMO. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, awesome. but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. But, ooh, this is gonna be a long episode. Yeah. Ooh, strap We're... in. Yes. <laughs> or right. now I guess you can unbuckle. But yeah, That's, yeah. Well, That's and of course, as always, listeners. If you have comments, questions, want to argue with us in a nice way, we don't accept bullies, um, right. email us at two, which is one teapot at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, we are two witches. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> it's hard to do it. We'll, we'll nail it. We'll nail oh, it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we got it. We got it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we'll see you all next time. Yeah. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>